Oh, hey there. Welcome to How to Live the Podcast, where we are figuring out this thingy called life. We are your hosts, Jess and Steph Dadon. Oh, hi there. Uh, can I tell you who I am loving on Instagram at the moment? Oh, who? I know, Spanner, right? Because I don't really like Instagram and I don't really like watching or listening to anybody. I find it quite depressing or I don't know it just like screws with my mental health in some way and leaves me in a worse mood than when I started usually totally relate to that but I am loving Sarah Silverman oh yes me too she's amazing and I guess it's because she posts a lot of her podcast clips to Instagram so technically what I like consuming is her podcast content not her Instagram content. But funny that you say that because I have listened to a couple of episodes and I prefer listening to it on Instagram because it's always like the best bits. Yeah, the bite-sized pieces. Yes. And I really like watching her. I don't know. She just like, I like the way she talks and the way she moves her mouth when she talks. The way she talks is great. And I actually like her so much that I watched her Netflix special. (gasps) I saw that she has one yesterday. Yeah, it's not that good. Oh, shame. I mean... It's not that good. Oh, okay. (laughs) I think she must do a lot of different content now than she ever has before. Like she's very political. She's total activist. And I think that maybe that wasn't coming through in her comedy to the extent that it is now up until like 2020 or something. And the Netflix special must have been from a few years ago. Oh, okay. Yeah. I definitely feel like she's changed her tune I feel like she used to be known as this like quite vulgar, very out there, offensive comedian. Mm. And so that's what a lot of people know her as. But now she's super political. She's super informed and well-spoken and Mm. educated. And dare I say everything she says I agree with, like every opinion she has, I'm just like, yeah, no, you, you can speak on behalf of me from now on. Yeah, she's really interesting because she's very left in her values, but I think she's also super level-headed and empathetic to the other side. Mm-hmm. So she's like, doesn't just rule out ideas because they come from the opposite side to where she sits. She's like, mm, let me figure out how I actually feel about this and maybe I do agree with what they're saying. Yeah, she's super open and I think it's really interesting because she herself used to offend a lot of people and now she's come full circle where she completely recognizes everything that she ever said that was offensive owns it apologizes for it doesn't sweep over it she's anti-cancel culture which I feel like she kind of embodies herself because if we were to just cat we could easily just be like nope you're canceled because you once had these really out there Mm. views Whereas she actually said this thing the other day that I really love that she was quoting somebody else about cancel culture where, sorry that we're about to put a basketball reference on this podcast, where she said it's kind of like if someone walked up to LeBron James and put a photo in his face of him when he was 10 and was like, oi LeBron, you said you're like 6'7 or whatever, but I've got this photo of you and you're 5'2, what the hell? And he's like, yeah, no, I was like 10 then, I've grown. Yes. Oh, Sarah. I love her. She's great. So good. So definitely check her out. Recommend. And actually, don't know if you know this, but I just found out she's vegan. Oh, Spanner. That really surprises me. I know, right? I feel like... I really like her so much. So much. And that's very fitting for today's episode because what we're going to be chatting to you about is our journey towards becoming vegan. Mm, You know, that is a beautiful segue that I did not plan. I swear I didn't plan it. Wild. We've obviously been doing this podcasting for so long that it just came so naturally to you. Right? So yeah, really excited to get into 
how, why, when, where we both went vegan, which has happened over the last year in lockdown. So why don't we just dive straight into this chat? So something I love talking about is this idea of being an animal lover who eats meat. Because I think that even though we've only became vegan in the last year, we need to dive a lot further back than that to actually go back to like where, why and how. And the reality of it is our values have always been for the animals. You know, we've always loved animals in the way that, yes, like most people, we love dogs, but then it has extended far beyond that to where multiple times throughout my life, I've said the words, I relate to animals easier than I do people. And any animal, doesn't matter what kind, like rats. I love rats. Like my mom once had a rat in her kitchen and she was fucking terrified and I like helped capture it in like a very nice way in a cereal box and then I like put it outside and we had a good chat like I love the rat rats are adorable so cute they get such a bad rap terrible PR but so we both were animal lovers growing up but like any good animal lover I think we got really good at creating a distinction between the thing that we loved and we saw when we were driving around the country And the thing that was on our plates. Mm, It's funny because our cousin, her son, when he was like only three years old or something, he said to his mum, oh, it's so funny the way that like the chickens out in the field is named the same thing as the chicken that we eat. And she said, oh, yeah, that's because it is the same thing. And he said, oh, and he kind of made that connection in his brain. And he said, well, I don't want to eat that. And one by one, he started to make the connection between these animals that we all grow up being like, what does a cow say? Moo. And, you know, like visiting animals, it's so much fun. And then we have them on our plate at night. And he made these connections. Literally, he was three or four years old. And slowly he stopped eating everything and purely of his own volition became a vegetarian. And I think it's so interesting because actually when I've spoken to people about this, it's more common than you think. When you chat to parents, when children are naturally curious and they start to make that connection, it's kind of disgusting. They're like, oh, we play with these things. We love these things. We read books about them. We make noises about them. Yeah. Like there's so much we teach kids about animals and then we're eating them. And it's really interesting that, and it makes sense when you think about it, when you try to like peel away all the layers of society that we've grown up in and get into a child's mind and you think yeah that is weird and what we do as adults and as parents and what the adults did when we were growing up is to quickly disconnect that and be mm. like oh no no it's all good it's all good like yeah don't worry it's about very it. natural like it's all part of the food chain you know they eat that and then we eat them and I think though what's a really interesting progression of that story because we've actually told that story about our cousin on this podcast before and we were heroing him as like this child vegetarian of his own choosing And then an update to that story is that, of course, as he started to grow up and the world around him told him how okay it was to eat meat, is that he's actually 
now does eat meat and has obviously created that disconnect in his mind where he's still able to love the thing that he reads about in books, but also is able to eat them on his plate. And I think I fell into that category for a really long time. Like deep down, I knew it was wrong. Deep down, I didn't want to do it. But ultimately, I loved schnitzel and I love bolognese and I've always eaten these things. I can't imagine my life without them. So I'll just keep on keeping on, even though ultimately deep down I knew it was wrong. Mm, So I actually always did eat some meat when we were growing up, but I was always really grossed out by it. Like it just disgusted me and I really had to disconnect it from my brain. And sometimes I'd be mid-chew of like a tuna sandwich, my very favoritest thing in the world. And then all of a sudden I'd be like, "Mm, I'm eating something's body. And then I would just be like, turn it off, turn it off, turn it off. Mm. And I'd be like, okay, no, I can eat this. Because yeah, it was normal. And in fact, I always remember I was embarrassed to be like, oh no, I don't want to eat this. Because like, I didn't want to be picky. And I thought like, I I felt like I was being fussy to be like, oh no, this is an animal. This feels wrong. So I just kind of kept eating meat and kept trying to Mm, eat meat. Yeah. And then for me, it wasn't until I was 19 or 20, maybe 20, when I decided that I was going to cut out meat and become a pescatarian. And I remember I had that exact thought where I didn't want to inconvenience people. You know, I'm such a fucking people pleaser. God forbid I should put anyone out just ever so slightly. And so I was like, I'm just going to stop eating meat, but I'm not going to like tell people that I'm a pescatarian necessarily. I don't feel the need to categorize myself. And especially because like, I just don't want to really inconvenience people, but I'll tell them that I'm not eating meat anymore, but I won't use the word pescatarian, you know, no need to label. And then I remember I went to um, my boyfriend's house for, who's still my boyfriend now, Elliot. So cute. We've been together for so long. Forever. And his lovely mum had made dinner and she'd made bolognese. And that was just what she was making for the family. So that was what Elliot and I were going to eat as well. And and I had voiced at that point that I didn't want to eat meat anymore. But I think because I hadn't labeled it for people, the perception was like, oh, well, if you come for dinner, like you'll just eat what we're eating. So I sat there and I ate the bolognese and I felt terrible about it. Like I hated that I had to eat it. I, in hindsight, could have just eaten plain spaghetti. I'm sure there was some cheese in the fridge or whatever. But I went home from that dinner and I said to Elliot, I'm pescatarian now. Like that's what I'm calling myself because I don't want to eat meat anymore. And I don't want to be put in a situation where I'm like semi-pressured into it. Do you remember what was the kind of moment or the motivation for going from eating meat to not? Yeah, well, for me, it was actually quite interesting because it was at a time in my life where I was feeling quite shit. Chaos was happening all around us and also internally. And it was like this one thing that I felt like I could do for myself that was like so values aligned that I knew would make me feel so good in that choice. Every time I chose not to eat meat, I could feel like I was just doing something just for me, just for my purpose. I knew it was right. No one around me was doing it. No one around me agreed, but like this was my thing that I could do. And that felt really empowering to me in a time where 
I didn't feel like I had much control over situations. Like this was the one thing that I could control and it was for the better. Mm, That's so interesting. We've never talked about that before. Yeah. Haven't we? No. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. And I just like felt epic about it. It added to my, at that point, I was seeking validation from a lot of outside terrible things, I would say. And that definitely gave me like this sense of confidence and validation in something really positive that I could focus my energy on. Mm, It's really interesting because skipping forward before we skip back, since going vegan, I definitely feel that, that I feel so good about myself every time I go out and I'm like, oh, I'm vegan, which is such a like contrast to at the time when I was younger, when I like also didn't want to be an inconvenience or anything like that. Now I feel like every time I do that, I'm voting for the animals, you know, like Mm, every time I do that, I'm standing up for what I believe in every single meal I have, every single grocery run I do, I'm standing up for the animals. And I feel like as humans we feel like we're so insignificant often and we feel like oh what impact can I make and a lot of us want to make an impact and we see shit stuff going on in the world and we want to make a change but we feel so helpless and we feel so small in the scheme of things and really through being vegan I've never felt so empowered Mm, I love that Elliot actually said to me a couple of days ago when we were in the car he just turned to me and he said Oi, I'm so proud of myself for being vegetarian. Mm. And I was like, I'm so proud of you too. And it was for that exact reason. And he loves meat and I reckon he hates being vegetarian. (laughs) And he had gone out with his friends and they were all obviously eating meat and he had like some sad meal that he didn't like. (laughs) But he left and he just felt so proud of himself that he was like standing by his values and he was like, it feels so powerful. It feels really powerful. multiple moments throughout every day when you put food in your body it feels really good and I think even more so when you like meat like I love tuna I want to eat tuna Mm. I've been craving tuna a lot lately and I even at moments was like oh maybe my body's telling me I need tuna but then I was like well maybe I'm just craving food or maybe my body's telling me it needs b12 and iron so I should take a supplement and When I choose not to eat meat, when I choose not to eat fish, when I choose even not to eat eggs and dairy, which I never thought that I would be choosing, I feel really, really good about it. Mm. So I think for me, I can't remember when I stopped eating meat, but I remember it was beef that I cut out first. Oh yeah, you went like one animal at a time a little bit. I think so, yeah, which which has been a good kind of method for me to slowly cut things out. So I think it was sometime in my maybe mid-20s, I went from eating meat and not loving it, but I I actually had convinced myself to like steak. So I was like going through a bit of a steak phase. Yes. And every so often I would drive past one of those trucks on the freeway Mm. that is just piled with cows where they're like shoved in there like cattle, which is obviously where we get the expression from. And one of them literally turned its head out of the truck and looked me dead in the eye and I swear it said to me help me like I swear that's what it was saying with his eyes anyway and I was like oh my god stop I can't I can't drive past those trucks so this happened a few times to me and every time it would happen I would stop eating beef for like a few months and then I would start again and then I would see it again and there was just one time where it happened where I was just like I can't do this anymore and I think it's pretty crazy to think how many people really could look in the eye 
what actually happens how your food gets to your plate and then still eat it. I actually remember watching a documentary. I wish I remembered what it was called. I'll look it up and put it in the show notes. And the opening scene is these two cows. Sorry, this is about to get a little bit like sad. Are we up for it? I am. Okay. It's these two cows and they're standing outside waiting to go into the slaughterhouse and the door opens and the I think I think maybe there's like an automatic thing that pushes them in. And I want to throw up. One of them gets pushed in and then the gate closes and the cow behind it Mm. knows what the fuck just happened Mm -hmm. and it starts freaking out and it starts scrambling and pushing backwards and trying to get away. It's completely freaking out. I think you hear the electrocution and then the the other cow fall to the floor and you can see it looks like I'm watching a scene from the Holocaust where this cow is scared terrified and it knows it's about to die and it's trying desperately to escape but it can't and within two minutes of watching this movie I was bawling my eyes out and I just think how many of us could really face watching something like that and then keep eating the way that we're eating and I think Mm -hmm. so many people say yeah not me so I won't watch it but I challenge you to watch that and then if you want to keep eating it you keep eating it but know what you're eating and know the impact that you have because just the same way that we talk about our clothes and how it's not okay anymore to not know who made your clothes and just go, oh, mm, it's fine. I don't I don't need to see that. That's happening in another country. It doesn't affect me. That's no longer allowed. Like we all know that's no longer acceptable. And that's because it's humans who are doing it and humans who are suffering because you're buying this cheap garment. And I think that we often fall prey to valuing human lives above animal lives because we think that humans... We're better than them. We think that we're better than them. We think that humans feel pain more than animals. We just have more empathy and none of that is true. Animals feel pain just the same. Animals feel fear. And so watch these things. It's really important. Things like Dominion, Cowspiracy, these movies because... It's really important to be able to face it. And I think that when you do face it, you're inevitably going to want to create change in your life. Mm, Yeah, I'm such a firm believer that if more people knew and could look in the eye the way that that food got to their plate, that they wouldn't be choosing to eat that. A friend of mine, his family owns abattoirs. An odd friend, an odd pairing, an abattoir owner and a vegan. vegan. Yeah. No, no, he's not. Oh, he's not vegan. He's a massive meat eater. And um, Because you have another vegan friend whose family owns steakhouses. Yes, I do. But this friend had gone to visit some abattoirs and then I went out for dinner with him and he started telling me about it and he was like, oh, you're a vegan. You probably don't want to hear about it. And you know me, I, I like to look things straight in the eye. Like I, I need to know all the details of everything. <laughs> like if I, if someone's dangling something in front of my face, I'm like, tell me. So I was like, no, no, I, I want to hear. And the shit that he told me about was so fucked, like mm, more fucked up than my wildest dreams. And I just think that... Even the way, remember like at the beginning of the 2020 COVID outbreak in Melbourne, how like shit kept happening in abattoirs? Oh, yeah. That was like so gross and weird. And I just feel like really fucked up stuff goes down there and nobody knows and it happens behind closed doors and we don't ask any questions. But the the fact that they were all like 
tens of them were getting COVID within a day. Just their working environment is one of blood and guts and death. And I just think that we should all be questioning what goes on behind those closed doors. Well, can I actually tell you that, I don't know if you've heard this, but studies have shown that abattoir workers suffer a lot with their mental health from depression, from anxiety. And a study showed that symptoms that a lot of abattoir workers get are really similar to war veterans. Mm. Oh my God, that's so sad. Yeah. Okay. I feel like we went down a really dark hole. Let's lighten it up a little, although we are talking about animal rights. So it's okay that we get a little dark. So I think for me, it has been really helpful to cut out one thing at a time. Actually, Renan in the last few years, his new year resolution every year is to cut out literally one animal by one animal. So he's been going one year he did duck, one year he did chicken. And now he's down to somewhere between a vegetarian and a pescatarian. For me, even one year, I just cut out barramundi. I remember that. Yeah, I like picked that a That was fish. so rogue. I know it was because I was down to being pescatarian and I wanted to not, I wanted to become vegetarian, but I knew that I couldn't cut out fish all at once. And I think especially dietary and vitamin wise, you know, it can be quite a shock to your system because there's a lot to learn about, about nourishing your body when you're no longer just putting an animal into it, which can kind of like cover off a lot of the vitamins and nutrients that you need. So I think that cutting down one thing at a time is quite helpful and you can slowly learn about things. And I decided to cut out barramundi because I was like, all right, what's something that I eat, but I don't even really like that much, uh, which was barramundi. And I also realized that it was a lot of the times it was the fish option. So I went to so many weddings and restaurants that year where like the barramundi special was always the only fish option. So I ended up kind of becoming more vegetarian minus tuna cans, kind of like involuntarily. Mm. Can I tell you something interesting about what you just said about the nutrients that comes from the animals that we eat? Please tell me. So I am telling you this because you have not watched Seaspiracy yet. I know you will. But in Seaspiracy, they talk to, I don't know, some sort of sciencey person that essentially says that right now, the way there are so many toxic chemicals in our oceans that are inside the fish, um, like mercury and all of those sorts of things, they actually outweigh the good nutrients that you get from a fish. So even though you're eating fish and like you're like, yes, on the protein and the omegas and whatever, you're also putting all these toxins in your body. And the woman that they were chatting to actually did not advise that you eat fish because of the toxic reasons they outweigh the good stuff. Wow. That's so crazy. That's really crazy. Our mate medical medium also doesn't love animal protein and says there is a lot of fat that comes with it. So yes, I think that definitely there are so many nutritional benefits to a plant-based diet, but maybe those are being masked. You know, when I was eating fish and meat, my you body- You didn't have to think about it. Exactly. Totally. And it's funny because I am like the total opposite to you where like I'm cold turkey. Like if I am a sometimes person, I am an all the times person, you know, and I also love a challenge. So It would never work for me to cut out one thing at a time. I'm like, I'm going to do this, then I'm going to do this. And so actually when I did my yoga teacher training, which was March 2019, oh, I just had my two-year anniversary. Congrats. Thanks. And they encouraged you when we got there to give up 
something just for the training whatever it was like they suggested maybe like if you eat meat then you just eat fish or maybe abstain from drinking alcohol they suggested definitely that you abstain from having sex but I mean no one was really having sex there anyway so that was okay so the one thing I decided to do was to be vegetarian because at that time I'd been pescatarian for a number of years and I always wanted to be vegetarian or move towards veganism but again like I told myself things like oh I can't do that it's too hard these are all my favorite foods I don't want to miss out on them but I would say more so that it's too hard that was always my thing at that time I was just like always chucking a tuna can in everything that I would eat. So I'd like make a salad and I'd put tuna in it, make a pasta and put tuna in it. I'd have, I don't know, a lot of tuna. (laughs) And so I became vegetarian, just was planning on doing it for the three weeks that I was in Bali. And then once you are able to kick a habit like that, it's just like so much easier to ride the wave than it is to like go back and forth. And so once I'd been doing it for three weeks, I was like, oh, I'm just going to keep riding this wave. And I remember I got home and I was like, I wonder how long this will last for. And then I just kept going and going and feeling better and better and better. And it took a while for me to like find enjoyment in my food. I remember telling people, oh, like now food just kind of sucks for me. (laughs) Like that was the joke I would make because I loved fish. I really did. And before I cut out meat, I loved meat. Like I I wasn't like Stephanie growing up. I loved eating meat. I loved eating fish. That was where I got a lot of enjoyment from food. So to try and find vegetarian recipes and places to eat out where I got a similar level of enjoyment, it, it took me a little while, but it did start to happen. Mm, I think that is such a big barrier for a lot of people is the taste of food and giving up food. And I don't know that I would have been able to become vegan 30 years ago, like Pam Ahern when she was eating cold tofu. Pam Ahern's the founder of Edgar's Mission. Who we had on this podcast and talked to us about how she went vegan at a time where she'd never even heard the word spoken. So she thought it was vegan. She was calling herself a vegan for a while. She didn't even know how to cook tofu. So she was eating it cold. She didn't realize you had to cook it. So I don't think I could have been a vegan in those days. But honestly, now the options that you get, oh my God, there's this restaurant in Byron called No Bones. Oh, it's outstanding. It's crazy. Like they make everything on the menu is basically fake meat. They make calamari, which I've never actually eaten calamari before, full disclosure, but Renan has and loves it. And he loves this calamari. It's so delicious. They make fried chicken. They do, oh, this Peking duck that's crazy. They have Beyond Burgers. The most delicious cheeseburgers. And it's just crazy the way, like, I still have mayo. I still have cheese. I make Jessica and I this eggplant parmigiana the other day. Outstanding. Yeah, like that. I can't give up eggplant parmigiana and I don't have to give up eggplant parmigiana. Totally. There are so many good alternatives out there right now. Definitely don't let the taste element be a part of your decision because you can literally get everything. The one funny thing I will say about becoming vegan though is that I do want to eat a lot more at home because if I, for example, I'm going to go out and get a sandwich, they probably don't have vegan mayo, they probably don't have vegan cheese and then my sandwich is kind of shit. Whereas if I make it at home, I've got all my go-to vegan stuff at home and I can make much more delicious food at home than I can get at like a sandwich bar. Well, interestingly, Byron, literally everywhere. I've had a really good ride being vegan in Byron because everywhere has a substitute vegan cheese, a substitute like 
10 vegan milk options. And I just feel like that is the kind of thing that, you know, it starts in a place like Byron, but it will spread. You know, Byron used to be the only place you get vegetarian food. And now look how many vegetarian restaurants we have in Melbourne. So I just feel like that is going to grow and grow. And obviously in Melbourne, you've got places like Smith and Daughters that are just incredible food without needing meat. And yeah, it, it makes it a whole lot easier. Yeah, I completely agree. I definitely could not have gone vegan in like 1970. Not that I was alive, but <laughs> if I was, I wouldn't have been vegan probably. But now 2020, ooh, absolutely. So the moment I went vegan, I actually took a big leap despite all my slow cutting. I went from being pescatarian to vegan, although pescatarian minus barramundi, to vegan, <laughs> which was a very big jump. I actually had had stomach problems, which I've spoken about for a year where I really couldn't eat very much. So it definitely made it easier because I'd had to cut out most fun foods already, but I could still, one of the things that got me through that year was my can of tuna that I would eat every day once or twice. And I actually randomly went vegan when I'd just seen a gut hypnotist, which had healed my stomach. Although I realize now it was the tip of the iceberg of all the things like meditation and all these different healings that I did, but I just fixed my stomach and I did a week long self-guided meditation retreat at home with Tara Brack online, like using her teachings, who is of course my favorite meditation teacher, who I'm currently studying to be a meditation teacher with. And I did it for the week. And I think uh, in Buddhist tradition, most of these retreats are vegetarian. And for some reason, I just decided to make all of my food, pre-make it for the week so that I could just heat it up and eat it easily. And I made it all vegan. And while I was meditating throughout the week and watching these videos, and Tara has this awesome video where she talks about being vegetarian, which we'll put a link to in the show notes. And... I just felt really good. There's something about tapping into your own self-compassion and wanting to extend that compassion or naturally extending that compassion out to others. And when you kind of start to treat your body well, wanting to treat others well as well. And I just felt this shift in me that week where I felt so good about being vegan, which wasn't something that I thought was on the cards for me anytime soon, despite having a vegan shoe label and being very aware of being vegan and feeling like I should be vegan and a bit embarrassed about not, I didn't think it was going to happen for me. And then, yeah, that week things just shifted and I've never, ever, like I said, felt so good about the contribution that I'm making And really feel like I'm living in a way that's really aligned with my values. Mm, Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I forgot all that happened. Did you? That was crazy the way you went from being pescatarian to being vegan. I know. So bold. Massive move. Good for you. I know. And I actually struggled a lot the couple months after. I started to get quite sick not realizing that all of my B12 was coming from tuna and eggs. Mm. And so it was actually a really cool experience, though obviously wouldn't recommend the not doing research beforehand. I didn't do any research. I just fully went vegan and just started 
I just cut out all the things that weren't vegan in my life, but I wasn't adding things in. And so since you had sent me this really cool app that we'll put in the show notes that you can kind of track your intake of different vitamins and nutrients. And so I started to actually look at what I was eating and make sure I was having enough protein. I was having enough B12. I got a great B12 supplement that Medical Medium recommends. We'll put all this in the show notes. And I really started for the first time to actually learn about what I was putting in my body and realize I wasn't getting all the nutrients and vitamins that I needed beforehand anyway. It was just, it took me being so low in B12, which led to really low energy for me to actually realize it. And it's really cool, the knowledge that I've built and and made me think more about what I do put in my body and how I nourish and energize my body rather than I used to just often just fill it with crap like cake, like sugary cake to get me through. Now I've learned, oh, this is why I just feel like sugar in those moments. So yeah, it's it's actually led to me cutting out a lot of refined sugar as well, just as a flow on effect. Yeah, I am the exact same as well. And I'll like play a game with myself where if I'm making a meal or making a snack, I'm like, oh, how many different types of nutrients can I get into this? How many different types of vegetables can I put in this? Where's my protein coming from? And I'll treat it like a game. And in, in the beginning, I remember... And I'm sure people listening to this might be thinking like, oh my God, like this makes food sound like effort. And it does in the beginning. Like it's definitely a huge shift to go from just being able to chuck a can of tuna in anything you're making and have it be nutritious. Do we mention we liked tuna? To actually having to think about every element in your meal. But it is really empowering. And also once you do it after, I would say like two to three months, it does really just become second nature. And now if I'm going to eat avocado toast, I just know that I'm also going to put hemp seeds on top of it because I also want there to be protein in that. And I know there isn't otherwise. Which by the way, have no flavor and are just crunchy and delicious. Yeah. But there are all these little like tips and tricks, like these vegan hacks, like nutritional yeast, hemp seed, everything is amazing. Pumpkin seeds. Oh yeah. Put pumpkin seeds on everything. Chia seeds. Obviously you have to have like the right protein powder supplement, which I have an amazing one. It's a Welco. It's the chocolate one. It's insanely delicious. I just use a, a hemp protein that's literally just hemp seeds ground up. Can't taste it. Mmm. And it actually does become just like second nature and you are taking care of yourself in this whole new way. I think for me, I was trying to remember why I started making the shift towards veganism because I was actually like struggling nutritionally being vegetarian even. Like I was really struggling to get my protein intake and that's when I started having a protein supplement and that was a total game changer for me. But then I think actually it was when I was trying to help my hypermobility, Mm. which is this thing that Stephanie and I both have where basically we have loose joints and we get like pains and injure really easily. And I had this call with a nutritionist in the US who loves medical medium. And she was basically saying to me that she recommended that I get off dairy and also eggs because he hates eggs. And feeds pathogens in the body. If you haven't listened to our medical medium episode, definitely recommend. Mm, And I think I'm pretty sure that's when I was like, okay, so I'm like moving towards veganism now, but I'm going to be super open. Like I think that 
when it comes to being vegan for me, the idea of me being vegan for the rest of my life and never getting to eat like my favorite chocolate cake or really yummy burrata, like that doesn't make me want to be vegan. And that makes me feel really overwhelmed and sad. It makes me a little bit sad. And so the way that I have approached being vegan is like, I just tell myself I'm really flexible. So I remember in the beginning, I was like, I'm going to be like 70% vegan. And then like 30% of the time, I'll still let myself like have cheese and eggs. And then quite quickly, it just became like a really larger percentage of being vegan and a smaller percentage of being not because I just wasn't really eating those foods. So I was getting used to it and I didn't really need them that much. And now I still have that mentality where I'm like, look, if you go out to an Italian restaurant and you want to get buffalo mozzarella, you go for it, girl. I'm all about impact. It's not ego based, this veganism thing for me. So I'm able to be like, okay, well, if I care about impact and I just want to eat this cheese like this one time at my favorite Italian restaurant, like does that make a huge impact? No, not really. It's very small compared to the rest of my life. So by taking that flexible approach, now I would say I'm probably more like 98% vegan and 2% not. But it's just like offering me this space within my mind that makes me feel like things aren't as rule-based. And then it allows me to be really happy about being vegan for majority of my time. And then if on the odd occasion, I feel like having a piece of cake that my mom's made that has eggs in it, I can do that too. And that's cool. And that's okay. It doesn't make me any less vegan. I'm just like being chill about shit. Mm, I think it's a really good point you raise because I think that so often in life, we make things so black and white. Our society makes things so black and white. But if the alternative was you were going to be eating that stuff all the time, you were going to be eating cheese, eggs, dairy all the time versus being vegan, but allowing yourself to have those things when you want it, which I am very similar. And I also, if I really want something, I'll have it. I won't do that with fish or meat, but I'll do that with dairy or eggs. I think if that allows you to go vegan and have that 98 to 2% split versus a 50-50 split when you're not calling yourself vegan, then you're having that impact that you wouldn't be having. And I think that when you said that, I was like, yeah, why don't more people do that? Even the ones who want to eat meat and don't feel like they're ready to let go of meat yet. Like when Renan cut out beef, He said to me, oh, but if we go to like certain restaurants, I'm still going to order a steak. And I was like, yeah, cool, whatever, you do you. And he hasn't ordered a steak one single time. Mm. But saying that to himself and meaning it and yeah, if you really want it, you can have it. Exactly. He actually, once he cut out beef, the thought of eating beef to him was like, oh, no, I would not eat that. But... I think that if other people were doing that where they were like, and and call yourself whatever you want. We are not sticklers for the label, as you can probably tell. Like, I think often people prefer plant-based to vegan because it plant-based is a little bit flexible. But if you're vegan, it's like, no, you have to be vegan. And how dare you ever stray from that? But call it whatever you want. But like, if you want to go plant-based and then eat fish one night a week or whatever it is, if that's what's going to get you there, that is so much better than just being like, Ah, uh, nah, I could never, ever give it up. So I'm not going to do it at all. Yeah, 100%. I, I actually saw once on Instagram 
a vegan get really angry at somebody who like said she was vegan and then was flexible about it, similar to how we are. And she was like, if you're going to do that, just call yourself plant-based, rah, 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 rah. And it's just like, cool, okay. Like that's your own journey. That's got nothing to do with me. Like I can call myself whatever I want. I identify as a vegan. I think that veganism is like aligning yourself with like the animal rights movement and that's what I identify myself as and that's that is my number one reason for being vegan so that's what I'm gonna fucking call myself biatch (laughs) (laughs) also just to mention on the the other side of being vegan we're talking food obviously but then there's also the fashion element and I think same deal that there's so many awesome options like have you seen a sans beast handbag or a tube shoe. Or a tube shoe. There isn't any other handbag or shoe I would want anyway. But yeah, actually going vegan fashion-wise, you kind of led this for us years ago where you were just kind of like, no, nah, I'm not wearing animal products anymore. And I was like, oh, yeah, of course. Why would we? Yeah, and also buying things for my home. When I moved into my house, um, I didn't buy anything with animal in it. So like, like a leather couch. Yeah, or like there was this gorgeous hide rug that I really liked but I was like no 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 that's made out of dead cows that's not acceptable yeah and the way that we did that was we didn't chuck out all of our old no I still have a great pair of leather pants that I don't doesn't align with my style right now but I'm sure at one point in the future I will wish I had a pair of leather pants but I wouldn't want to buy another pair because I'm just not going to do that so I hold on to the leather pants knowing that eventually I want to wear them again I bought them when I bought leather and that's okay and very unsustainable do not throw your clothes away no I mean giveaway but you know you get the vibe yeah and also just on the nutritional stuff Definitely recommend you listen to our episode with Tracy McWhirter if you are at all interested in going and moving towards vegan or plant-based because she talked to us all about like the nutrition aspects and things to look out for if you are going to be going down that route like your B12s and your protein levels. And also importantly talks about, uh, you know, a lot of Tracy's work is working with black communities to move towards veganism and talks a lot about the issues around prices of things and how people can go vegan at any price option now so that it doesn't have to be this exclusive thing that only certain people are able to go vegan and really talks about the health benefits of all of this and just how incredible it is, including her mom who's in her 80s who's been on a plant-based site for years and it is in impeccable health. Hmm. Okay. Cool. While we're giving podcast shout outs, if you're really interested in listening to all our vegan episodes, the founder of PETA, People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, Ingrid Newkirk, is also one of our all-time faves. Just had to chuck it in there. That's a great episode. It's a really good episode. That's the episode where we told the story about our cousin who was like three and decided to be vegetarian. Mm. Well, we would love to hear from you, your vegan stories, your thoughts around veganism do you have issues with the word veganism i feel like a lot of people do Mm, i also feel like it could be fun for us to share some of our favorite vegan alternative foods for you so we'll be sharing a list of that over on our facebook page how to live the podcast so come and be a member there if you're not already and insta we are at how to live the podcast thank you so much for listening this has been jess and steph coming at you from our bed which is our favorite place to podcast record we'll see you back here in our bed in one week's time bye see ya na 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 na